Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' four-game series against the Detroit Tigers. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, or I should say as sometimes, Dan, as of late you've been uh, traveling, <laughs> getting back home, coming to Minnesota, but I got criticized here as saying, as always, Dan, because you're not always here. Well, it's just a figure of speech, right? I'm yeah. always here in some sense, David. I'm just not always here with you at the episode. But frankly, we're never here together. I mean, it's so rare we're here together. So That's it's, true. It's all of it's. Anyway, I am here. I'm here today, David. I'm happy to be Wonderful. back. Wonderful. Yeah, so you're coming back, Dan, on a high note here for your Minnesota Twins sweeping the Detroit Tigers, which I think, Dan, what we can say now, four-game series, the Twins sweep the Tigers. I think we can safely say if there's one team the Twins are better than, it's the Detroit Tigers. Oh, yeah. And maybe even the Royals. Well, they're better than the Royals in the standings, right? They've had more trouble with the Royals, but, uh, but no, they're... <laughs> They're basically in third place in the division right now. Well, and so you had asked a few episodes back, Dan, whether or not the Twins would catch the Royals before the end of the season. And lo and behold, Dan, they're ahead of the Royals now. Can you believe it? Kansas City is 36 and 53. Detroit is 40 and 51. So they're technically percentage points ahead of the Twins in third yes. place. But then there's Cleveland, David. They're at 45 and 42. That's just seven games ahead of Minnesota. So that's the question, Dan. Do you think the Twins will catch the Indians before the end of the season? So I think that that's some kind of a test for or what's this team going to look like in 2022? Because if they can catch Cleveland and show that they're the second best team in this division, how can you dismantle it? Well, it's a good question, but the issue may be, Dan, that there may be pieces moving before we get an opportunity to see them catch them. Let's wait. Let's wait another week. They play the Tigers, what, like seven of the next 11? Um, yeah, so hey, they could seems, be, they seems could be good scratching for the at 500 pretty soon. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead, Dan. Let's jump into this wonderful, it should be a fun series recap. Series recap. This was honestly, if the Twins had been better this season up to this point, I would have said that this is one of the most fun series of baseball to watch this season. I would say that anyway. I mean, this is no, because... Well, well, I mean, yeah, well, no, I guess... I guess <laughs> right? It's, a, it's only four-game sweep of the year. Fair, fair point, fair point. But what I... <laughs> That was poor phrasing on my part. What I meant, what I mean by that is that, like, this would have been even better than it was. Like, it was, it was, yes, I think you're 100% right that this was the best thing to watch all season long thus far. But I just think it would have meant a lot more if the Twins were three games back in the divisional race. Well, sure. So actually, late in game four, to jump ahead a little bit, so Dick Bramer mentioned how he he thought this game felt like the game against the Yankees. I think it was like 13 to 12 a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and he did caveat in, that and say, this isn't the same team as that team. But you're right. I mean, this series was just fun. It was just fun to watch. And game one was the first of many comebacks that we saw for the Twins. That's the thing. It was like you had lead changes, you had late inning comebacks, you had great plays in the field to keep the game alive so game one twins win this one five to three and i just love looking at the box score here so tigers go up two nothing in the fourth then the twins in the fifth score one 
Tigers get one back in the sixth. Twins add another. And then in the seventh here, the Twins break out, score three runs, and come away with this one five to three, Dan. It's so fun because, you know, Scooble, the, the Tigers starter, was really cruising for a while here. And then yes. Ryan Jeffers hits that home run there. Just And and there were moments like that throughout the series where they just kind of got one hit to just get a little momentum going. And that was this. And then Sano with the big game-tying home run in the seventh. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dan, I'm going to let you do the honors here and give Hap's line because I know you're going to want to make a comment. Okay, so and I hope, you know, the Yankees and the Astros and the Athletics are, are noticing this, right? Because because <laughs> Jay Happ pitched seven innings, eight hits, three earned runs, one walk, eight strikeouts, eight lowered strikeouts. his ERA, David, to 5.9. I tell you, Just I under mean, six. That's if, trade bait. <laughs> if anything is trade bait for that fifth starter, he is the fifth starter teams need. He had a seven-inning start for the third time this season. I mean, man, I, what more could you ask for? Innings in a, eater, <laughs> Dan. Innings eater. Absolutely. But I, And I will say, too, I mean, this was uh, Polanco. What a great game that he had here, too. Kind yes. of dodging that wild pitch to, to score what turned out to be the winning run and then hitting a sack fly to give the Twins an extra run there, insurance in the seventh. That guy had ice in his veins the entirety of this series, Dan. He, and then we're going to talk about him more uh, throughout the series here. Absolutely. Well, let's keep pushing here. Game two. Twins win this one four to two. Twins score four in the sixth. Detroit scores two in the eighth and that's it. Twins win this one four to two. And it was nice to see Maeda pitch five innings and look pretty good. Uh, he had, you know, five shutout innings, seven strikeouts, two walks, two hits. Alcala comes in, holds on, gets the win. Thielbar didn't look great. Uh, he hasn't really no. looked all that great lately. But then your man Robles comes in and gets and gets the five-out save. And not a bad day. I did think it was interesting that they gave him that much leeway. Granted, he only had to throw 24 pitches, so that's not a bad day. Doesn't it feel, though, like this bullpen, suddenly they're all kind of the same? It seems like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know that I can trust any of them, especially after, you know, game four today with Rogers, but it just oh, feels like goodness. they're all like, eh, all right, sure. Whoever, whoever you want. <laughs> just, I, I don't know. Do you feel that way at all? A, a little bit. I, I still prefer Rogers, Robles combinations though. Dan, well, of course of you do. Let's go to, well, game maybe, f- not at, uh, maybe not after today. Maybe not after though. today. But again, do you know the problem? The whole reason that they happened. went in the wrong order, David, they went in I the know. wrong order. Dan. I know. Yeah. So, all right. So game three, game three, the twins win again, nine to four. David, how about you talk about this one? This was so funny from the perspective of Rocco. So we'll talk about this a little bit later, but this game was a loss. And so Rocco was managing it as if it was going to be a loss because which the twins, he's so good at, David, right? He's, he's great like, at managing losses. Yes. Twins were down four nothing in the sixth inning, and then they go on a tear, Dan. They score two runs in the sixth, three in the seventh, and then four in the eighth, and they don't obviously have to play in the ninth as the Twins come away with this one nine to four. Cruz goes three for three with a walk. It just seemed like the Twins were just waiting, I guess, for some reason to make this game interesting. And, like, you look at who pitched in this game, Dan. Ober, Law, Kaloum, Colome, and Duffy. That's not the pitchers you would expect to be on the mound in a win. Anytime you see Derek Law, it's like waving the white flag, right? (laughs) That's that's what what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And it felt like two teams playing bullpen games. The, I mean, the Tigers were doing it, you know, intentionally, yes. intentionally. <laughs> but um, but the Twins, just a weird game. And then and again, we saw the Twins scoring a lot of late runs in this game and in this series, something that they just were not doing early in the season. Ober, you were kind of hoping that he could kind of continue this tear and at least get a little bit deeper into the game. He got to pitch five innings in his last start, only got through three and a third here. 
four earned runs, four strikeouts, two walks, but he gave up two home runs, which were painful, obviously. But it's one of those things, there's still hope for him. Like, he's not somebody who I'm willing to write off just because he struggled against the Tigers. Oh, absolutely. I think he's in this rotation next year. And and then you look at the lineup. I mean, Luis Arise, he's so fun to watch. Hit. Oh, he's great. That, that yeah. hit that he had in the, it was the eighth inning to add some insurance runs where he just kind of slaps the ball. I mean, he went three for five in this game, two runs, two RBI, and obviously those key RBI, and he's just about at 300 now, David. Yeah, I mean, he'll get there, right? I mean, there's no way that Luis Arise ends this season, you know, pending injury or barring injury, I should say, without getting over that 300 mark, and, right? And he's not an old guy. I mean, he's he's part of the Twins' core, you would think, yes, for the next five, yes. six years, which is exciting. Anything else from Game 3, Dan? Two other things from this game. So, do you remember when, when Burt Blylevin would try to, like, call home runs, right? Yes. He would, I mean, all the time, and it felt like he would call a couple of games, if he would attempt to call a couple of games, and Certainly. Then, you know, uh, one but would But he, he'd try and make it sound like it wasn't a call half the right. time, right? Like, he'd, he'd always do one where he said, like, I think this is going to be a home run, and then he'd do these other winnings where he's like, home run would be kind of nice here, right. wouldn't it? It's like, <laughs> when would a home run not be good? When right, would a right. home run not be good? Exactly. Well, oh. Dick Bramer actually pretty much called one. To, it, well, it was it was one of those great broadcasting moments, right, where he said before Kirilov's home run, which was a two-run home run to get the Twins on the board in the sixth, it was like, you know, Twins could sure could use a spark here, and it was literally the next pitch, and, and Kirilov just crushed that baseball. That was a cool moment. Um, and then also column A, looking like column B for a moment, but really really rallying it was nice to see you know him finally have a, a pretty good outing because again i think he's looked a little bit better over the last month and a half yeah i mean his era right now is at 4.83 which again if he was a starter the twins would probably take that right now <laughs> true yeah well anyway anything else for you from game three no i think uh, i think that'll do it let's go on here game four dan which i gotta be honest you and i were texting hey when are we gonna record the podcast well let's see what happens maybe shortly after the game as long as the timing works out and then things just kept happening Dan, this game would not go away it just weird things kept happening twins win this one 12 to 9 what was weird is there were no runs in the first four innings for either team and then all of a sudden detroit gets those four and and the twins you always have time in baseball right that's one of the great things about baseball is, is absolutely there's always time to come back but to see them do it in the manner that they did with some clutch hits you know they get one in the fifth one in the sixth and then four big runs in the seventh i mean they were seven for 15 with runners in scoring position yeah very very exciting game and i guess i have to say it's got to be a very stressful time for Barrios because at first he's thinking oh well no way I'm gonna get a win I'll probably get a loss out of this game and then he's thinking oh you know what maybe I'll get a no decision out of this game and then he's thinking oh no wait I'm gonna get a victory out of this game and then back to the no decision Dan. well because Taylor Rogers comes in and he lets the first four guys he faced score it was so bizarre is, he goes single double walk grand slam that's like a pitcher's worst nightmare dan and it wasn't even that many pitches i mean it was no, just yeah no. like you said i mean they just knew what he was throwing but i will say credit to him he came and he struck out the next three guys that he faced that's the weirdest thing that has to, how often could that have possibly happened in baseball where the guy lets the first three guys on gives up a grand slam and then strikes out the side we've had moments like again that's what i love about baseball sano had that thing where he pinch hit hit a home run whatever he <laughs> did in the, in the cincinnati red series baseball gives you totally unique moments like this there have been how many millions of games have been played now was it two, yeah or two million runs scored right but yes i mean remarkable i just so cool that's what i love about baseball so, so folks honestly if you haven't seen this game go back and watch the highlights granted it's going to take about 25 minutes to watch the highlights video because there were so many ridiculous plays in this game and the lead changes we're going to talk about a couple of these later i think in the minnesota moment but there 
Alex Kirilov had some huge plays in this game, whether it was at the plate or in the field. And then Ben Rortvet, Dan, the mighty, mighty powerful home run mashing left-handed savant Ben Rortvet <laughs> smashes a home run to keep the game alive to take it to extras. Dan, I, you could not script this one. I just started laughing when he hit that home <laughs> run. Like it just, it just did not make sense. Like, of course, I, of course, that's how this game is going to go. I texted you. I said, what is this game? It <laughs> oh makes my no gosh. sense to me what was happening in this game. And to be fair, I mean, this is after Ryan Jeffers is out from the game, too. So we'll have to see what happens with the Twins catchers here. I know Garver's getting closer to coming back, yeah. but, but we may be seeing the turtle come back, Williams Estadio, uh, after it's the All-Star break. Time, Depen- I know, depending on what happens with Jeffers here. Hope he's okay. I mean, when the Twins need a marketing pickup, Dan, they start sending out those turtle t-shirts and bring Estadio back up. Well, as they should. Well, the Twins, they finish this game. Polanco hits a walk-off home run in the 10th, and the Twins, with 12 runs and 12 hits, win this one and, and sweep the series. The first ever sweep they've had at Target Field over the Tigers in the Which history. Is Sorry. Insane. And not just at Target oh. Field, but ever. A home series against the Tigers. That is crazy. After Barrios goes seven here, you have Alcala, Robles, Rogers, and again, they should have switched that order. That was the entire issue. It's the Rogers-Robles combination. Come on, Rocco. Get it right. Then Duffy comes in, pitches a wonderful top of the 10th inning, gets out of a little bit of a jam here. You had runners on the bases, obviously the given runner, and then they had intentionally walked a guy. But Kirloff makes this play. Diving stop. Duffy's not going to get to the bag in time. Kirloff runs and slides and tags the bag with the glove, which honestly, Dan, is one of the coolest fielding plays, right? When a guy has to touch the bag with the glove. I don't know why I like that so much, but I really, really enjoy that. It's kind of like when a guy slides into first, though. Like, couldn't you just have <laughs> run really hard and gotten there first? I think you I don't did think have to dive th- in this situation. I, yeah, I agree certainly. with you there. So it is pretty no, fun. No, but, but it I always kind of yes. looks kind of funny. Yes, I agree. Well, David, we, so much more to talk about. Let's move on to our segments. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett! Puckett's Picks winner. It's my favorite time of the episode. I, every time, David. This is just so frustrating. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of so, Puckett's Picks. So, folks, I want to I wanna tell you what Dan wrote in the notes here. So, as I was updating the stats for Puckett's Picks, Dan wrote, I am tired of your whimsical picks working out. He was really just not so happy. Annoying. And so, it, the, uh, the annoying part to me is that Kepler wins this with 14 points. I am in second. Nelson Cruz has nine. But here, I'm get before we give the third one for our <laughs> listeners, which is a separate, it's a separate topic. But Kepler here, I just railed on Kepler the last episode because I thought he's done. He's they should get rid of him. And of course, then David picks him and he's back. And, and he's back. Max Kepler looks great back. in this series. Here's the deal. So last episode, thank you to Andrew Hoganson again for filling in. And he was so excited, Dan, because he really wanted to take away who your pick was going to be. And you had texted me, Larnick and then Cruz, if Larnick is taken off the board. Well, Andrew, representing the listeners, takes Larnick. And here's the deal, folks. We previously had a record set on this show for Puckett's picks with a score of negative five being the lowest score ever recorded. Well, here's the deal. Congratulations, Andrew Hoganson. Coming in, breaking the record, negative seven for Trevor Larnick in this series. So, Dan, he he took a bullet for you. So that Miguel Sano pick that had me negative five in the Royals, I'm pretty sure that was not a four-game series. So if you had given Miguel another game of at-bats, <laughs> he, he very likely could have beaten that. But, no, Larnick did not have a great series. Um, I'm happy to, to take that mantle off my head, though. Now we can just put it on the listeners, and then I can, I can just have my own losing streak of negatives there. I'm just happy I got positive points this time. David yeah well done Dan well done here so do you want to read the season stats real I, quick for I us, have Dan? I have six wins you have 14 and the listeners have eight 
this is this is Oof. awful. I got to win eight in a row just to catch you. Do you know? Do you know, Dan? If you add your and the listeners, yeah, I wins can together. I can do the math, David. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's uh, keep pushing here. Beast versus bench. Beast versus bench. Is losing fun is losing fun. You got some options, Dan. You Great got some options. options. I know you can yeah. pick Cruz. You, I mean, you can make an argument for Cruz. You can make an argument for a lot of different players. I went with Polanco. He had such a, yeah. you know, I mean, he was up in so many key situations. But the fact that he made Game Four end when he did, because this this had the feeling of just a dreadful, drawn out game, and the way that he yes. just not just not just a double, but a, a pretty much a no doubt home run, and he had a couple yes. of those from different sides of the plates. You know how much I love Polanco's switch hitting I home know. run hitting. I know. Right? It's your favorite thing so in the world. It's, it's my favorite thing. So I'm gonna pick. Um, I'm gonna pick Polanco. What about you? And I think that's great. Polanco is a wonderful pick. He just seemed to have. He was so clutch in this series. And you should watch the replay here, folks. In that game four home run, the walk off to end it. There's a great catch by a fan in the stands. Actually catches the home run ball, and he is he catches it and he's celebrating not only the Twins' victory but also him catching the home run ball. So you can see like. I don't know if there's somebody who's more excited on earth in that moment. Dan. Was he a dude, bro? Or was he like a legitimate seemed fan? Like it, seemed like a dude, bro. Oh, seemed man. like a dude, bro, a little bit. But All right, well. I, I don't see him giving the ball to a kid. But maybe, maybe. Maybe he did. We didn't see the full video. David. No, no, right. we didn't. But anyway, so I'm going to go with my boy Max Kepler, who came in with the Puckets pick victory for me here. 14 points. He had a rough game in game three. He went 0 for 4 with a strikeout, but he was so effective in the other games. And in game three, they didn't really need him, Dan. They scored nine runs. He he could have gone 0 for 9. It wouldn't have even mattered. If this game in game four had the feeling that Max Kepler was going to win that game for them, it almost felt yes. like Polanco was going to walk or strike out, and then Kepler was going to get a chance. So it's hard to argue with that. But we are in agreement on our best. I think without a doubt, it's got to be Trevor Larnick. Larnick had a lot of opportunities in this series and never, never really capitalized. I guess in game one, he did have a hit that was pretty important. But other than that, man, this was a rough series for the uh, for the rookie. Well, he struck out 12 times in four games. I mean, that, that about says it there. Oof. Rocco's Rewind. We have seen throughout the year, I think we would agree that Rocco has done a better job as the season has gone on with just managing this team generally and having a, having his pulse on the team. Yes, and I, I, I think agree. He, I think this series, he handled the starters really, really well. So Jay Happ gets seven innings. You know I love any time we getting we can squeeze more innings out of Jay Happ, right? Of um, course, yeah, before he gets before he gets traded again. <laughs> exactly. We got to get all of the worth out of him we can. <laughs> Maeda goes five, which I thought was enough given how that game was going. Over yes. needed to be pulled when he was. He wasn't pitching all that well. And he had options still because, you know, Law and Kalum had not pitched yet in this series. And then coming in in Barrios and riding the horse. Barrios did not have his best stuff, but I think they recognize they need innings out of Barrios. And he does seem to thrive when he gets late in game. I think he's... He He's got some moxie now to him that I feel like he lacked the last few years where he's maybe not moxie, but I think he's becoming a savvier pitcher. And and just the fact that Rocco could recognize that Barrios and trust Barrios to know his body and that he could go up to 108 pitches today. So so I thought Rocco did a really good job in that sense. I think that's a fair point. I think he made the right decision for each of the starters in their given moment. And to speak to Barrios, he does seem like he reaches a little bit further back here when he gets in those late innings. I mean, but you know that he's a guy who can throw 110 pitches and you're not really worried about durability. Totally, totally. So what did you think of Rocco this series? Yeah, I thought it was interesting in game three because mid-game, Dan, 
it seemed as though this was going to be a loss. And then the twins turned it around and Rocco continued to manage it as if it was going to be a loss. And the twins still came away with a victory. So I guess I, I'm interested to understand the perspective of Rocco for why he chose the pitchers that he did. Because you had you had guys available. So it was interesting that he chose, you know, Law, Cologne, Colome, and Duffy. We mentioned that earlier in the episode. So I just think Rocco, at that point, once you're put in a winning position, you got to be able to switch gears and put your best guys in. Yeah, but at the same time, in Alcala, Thielbar, and Robles had just pitched the night before. Um, well, yeah, but you had, you had Duffy and you had Rogers available. Well, so Duffy pitches in this game, but Duffy doesn't pitch until the ninth inning. I guess you could make the argument that Duffy probably should have come in for the eighth when the game well, was for a little the bit eight, closer. Yeah, come in for the eighth, and then you have Rogers available as well who didn't pitch in the game before. I think he had other options to go to than the ones that he stuck with. Granted, it worked out, so hindsight twenty twenty. But I will say I would have switched my managerial style at that point to start saying, okay, I'm not just looking for a guy to eat an inning. I'm looking for a guy who's going to keep runs off the board. Well, you keep an eye out for that posting for bench coach for the Twins. I, David. It's all and happening. Maybe, maybe you can swoop in, right? I got my resume up to date. It says uh, basically under the resume for baseball, it's mocking Rocco on a podcast <laughs> is all it says. So hopefully they like that. Well, let's go to the Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. Lots of options here, Dan, for the Minnesota moment. But I'm going to I'm gonna talk about the game that I just talked about as far as Matt Rocco's managing style is concerned. Game three, scoring runs in the sixth, seventh, and eighth to come away with a victory in a game that really Twins fans have come to know this season was going to be a loss. So there's so many different choices here, but I think just scoring those runs, again, sixth, seventh, and eighth scoring runs to come away with the victory – that's going to be my Minnesota moment. And this is an exciting lineup to watch. And and yes. the fact that they could keep this lineup together for a few more seasons, most of it, right, is pretty cool. I, my moment is going to be Polanco's home run in game four. It was his first career walk-off home run over the last month or two. And, and almost really the whole season, he has grown to be kind of the soul of this baseball team in some sense. Um, he's had a couple walk-off hits, but it just seems like... When he's up in big moments, he he does what the team needs him to do. I, I don't I don't remember at least a lot of moments this season where Polanco has been up in a big spot and he hasn't like and he's struck out or something, right? Like yes. he's moved runners. And even in the series we saw like he was up with wild pitches scoring runs when he was there too. So I, that's gonna be my moment is Polanco. I think there's an ascension here to Jorge Polanco right now with his team. Well that actually segues well into our Mauer's musings, Dan. So let's head there. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's musings. So I guess that's my question about Polanco. And I will say this series is the first series in a while that I can remember, Dan, where he didn't record an error. During a series, <laughs> well, we didn't. Well, we haven't you, talked about you, the, and he had laughed, a great. But that was that well, wasn't yeah. even meant as as mocking. That's just the truth of the matter, Dan. Is it's the first series in a in a long while where he has not recorded an error. And he had a great defensive play. Was it in game one? He had that? game one, I believe. Yeah. I mean, that really, and that was an important play in a, in a two run yes. game with where he he dives to to get the ball. He scoops it up to Simmons, who steps in the bag and throws out the runner at first to get a key double play to keep that game close. But yeah, I, I guess. His defense has been up and down, to say the least. Yes, absolutely. So my question about Polanco, Dan, is this streak that Polanco seems to be on, is it just a good streak that he's having? Or is this the player, the all-star player that he once was, Dan, that we had expected now that he seems to be healthy and, and seeing the ball well? Well, here's the thing. He's 28, right? So we might be seeing him enter into his prime, potentially. I hope we are. I think we are. Because I, I think the fact that he's making those veteran plays that I talked about, he's finding he's finding himself up 
to bat in the big moments. He's making big plays at the end of the games. And there's just a confidence about him that I think, gosh, I, I hope that this turns out to be what a great bargain of a contract they signed him right? to. And that, yes. and that he can be, again, like I said, the heart of this team for a couple more seasons. Well, at this rate, he will be. And here's to hoping that he can continue performing at the plate and if his defense improves, again, even if he can bring it down to one air every two series, that's that's more reasonable, Dan. I think so. And, and we got to recognize that he hasn't played second base all that much. He's been a shortstop for his whole professional career, really. So, But, but what shouldn't that move, though? I mean, I get that there's there's some nuance between those positions. A shortstop moving to second base should be an easier transition than like a second baseman to shortstop. You would think so. And so but, but I'm still willing to give him another year to just iron out any any differences there might be because there's got to be a mental difference of kind of knowing like oh I have more time to throw here or oh the play is going to be in its different spot because if you have that muscle memory of being a shortstop for so so long I, I think there is some transition period there that we could allow okay fair enough well what do you got for your musing there Dan I'm gonna look at this so are we looking at the next great hitting duo of Trevor Larnock and Alex Kirloff it, there's kind of a I don't know if if Larnock gives you this vibe but he almost feels like a Kent Herbeck to me, standing up there, he's a tall guy. Do you, you don't have that vibe from Trevor Larnick? Yeah. <laughs> Dan, I know you love your comparisons, and I know you're kind of famous for them, actually, on the podcast, Dan. I don't know that Larnick, coming off a series in which he struck out 12 times, I don't know that Herbeck is probably the best comparison at this juncture. Well, but he might be. My point is he could be. <laughs> The next. Yeah. I'm thinking of the Trevor Larnick the series ago when I wanted to pick him for this series and felt so good about him. I But the combination of those two in a lineup right now, especially if, especially if they can get a right-handed batter to really hold down that cleanup spot, and maybe it's Miguel Sano. I mean, he's going to have every opportunity to do that. Maybe it ends up being Byron Buxton in that spot. If you put Larnick and Kirilov around a right-handed bat, my goodness, that's a difficult duo to have to deal with. Or maybe even they put them back-to-back -back like they did with Maurer and Morneau. As the season progresses, it's, it's becoming more and more clear that these two will be in the lineup, the starting lineup of 2022. And isn't it fun? Because we talked about whether Rooker was going to be there. And I do wonder what happens to Rooker now. Is, does he, is he tradable now as a, as a prospect to potentially maybe get a starting pitcher for next season? I would be hesitant. I don't know that he's worth a, a good starting pitcher. Well, he no, like not directly. A... But is he part of a package that could, could, could fetch you a starting pitcher? I think it's possible. But I don't know that the Twins are ready to move on from him yet, especially considering, Dan, right now we've had Gordon and Arise. I mean, we've had all these weird <laughs> Outfield combination. But you know what? I don't think the twins should be real quick to sell on outfielders. But you know who's about to come back? Jake, who's that, Dan? Jake Cave. Jake is Cave he really? is, yeah, he's going to maybe do a rehab stint in the next week or two, David. Hang on. My mind is blown, Dan. I don't even know how to take that news. Will he play for the twins? Will he I, be on the twins? The argument team? I could make is, is do you send Celestino back down to triple? I mean, would you rather have Jake that's Cave or Celestino right now? That's yeah. I guess that's I, this I, is the way that Jake Cave gets to play is because he's a natural center fielder. He always finds a way. Jake he finds, Cave a, way, finds a way. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go here, Dan. Series grades. Series grades. Now, David, are you sure this is the series grade segment here? You had a little bit of a snafu. Like, okay, you just plowed folks, right into my, it last week. My deepest apologies. I know Dan's gone for an episode or two, and I make all the mistakes. Yes, I mixed up the sounders. It was very late. I went to my parents to spend some time with them, so I didn't get to editing. It was midweek. I was very sleepy. I'm sorry that I mixed up the sounders. 
that won't happen again. Plus, Dan's editing this episode, so if it does happen, <laughs> I know. Please yell at Dan, not at me. I'm setting myself up now to make a mistake. That's <laughs> that's what's going to happen here. But anyway, series grades. I'm giving it an A. What I don't do know. Do? Well, I, we've been told by Andrew that this segment is now boring, but I so I feel terrible giving them an A as well. But they won four games, Dan. I mean, granted, they had to come back, so I guess you could argue for an A minus. But you, at this point, it would be just to appease Hogs. I think you could say A minus because they it was the Tigers and not a better yeah. team. But <laughs> I, I can't make that argument. Uh, no, four, four games sweep games, against anybody. Four games against anybody, Dan. That's a hard task. Well, let's go ahead. Let's do puckets picks. And we'll see you tomorrow. Puckets picks. So, full disclosure, folks, there was a little bit of confusion between Dan and I, and we did not get a listener pick for the upcoming series after the All-Star break. So here's what we're going to do. In honor of Andrew's negative seven score for Larnick, we're going to give Larnick an opportunity to redeem himself, and we're going to give Larnick to the listeners as their pick for the upcoming series. Here's what I'm proposing, though, Dan. I'm proposing that we give Larnick plus two because no listener actually made this pick. We give them a little bit of an advantage here. Are what we, do you think? Are we introducing a handicap system now? For This, this only, is getting complicated. Oh, yes, only in this very specific instance where it's the all-star break and we didn't have a pick. And we're choosing Larnick, who I don't think a listener would choose right now. Okay. Am I going to pick first again? David, is that how this well, works? Well, yeah, you always pick first. Then. That's kind of <laughs> how this works. Well, okay, so I've made this mistake in the past of, of getting away from somebody right after they've had a great series. Like I picked Polanco two series ago, and then he had this great series now. So I'm actually going to go with Cruz. I'm going to stick with Nelson Cruz. Oh, what? Right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So, folks, the reason, folks, no, the reason no. we're laughing right now is because Dan had just, Dan had just said he was going to go with Polanco, and then he said, "Oh no, let me say that again." And then he changed his pick. Normally, normally, just a little, a little inside baseball on the podcast, folks. Normally, we say that after we've screwed something up, we want to re-say it appropriately. Maybe the first time in history where we've said, "Wait, let me say that again," and he's changed his pick, Dan. Well, you've I, changed I, your pick. I meant to say. Cruz, right? The whole time. It just it came out as Polanco the first time. That is not how, no, not at all. Not at all. That's all right. not what happened. Well, I wrote it down. Cruz is my pick. Who are you going to pick? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It seems that I can do no wrong. I got to be honest, Dan. My head is getting a little big, but I don't care. I'm taking Kepler. He's going to keep us going. He's going to score another a million points and take uh, Cruz and Larnick. So we're doing the same picks, Dan. Same picks. It's pick. the same picks. Well, here's the thing. They're playing the same team for four more games here. We may as well. This is fun. Yeah, that's kind of a cool thing. Is I don't know fun? that that's ever happened. I don't happened. know that it's – well, it is a, it's a weird scheduling thing, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, to face the same team going into and out of a break, I, I can't remember the last time they've done that. With a double header now, too. With and the, and with here's the, the thing that they've got a stretch here because they have two series in a row here now with double headers because they follow that with a four gamer against the White Sox, too. And who knows, Dan? They could be back in contention before <laughs> oh, you know it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, if yes, if they win the next eight, then they're going to be three games under 500. So that so would be that. it'd be a whole new season. Oh, Dan. my gosh. No, you can't talk like that. It, of no, course I know, it would I know. be, but it's not really going to no, happen. Folks, full disclosure. No, I do not think there's any hope for this season. Andrew from last episode continues to text me after every twins win, how the twins are back and how he's still in it here. But my goodness, Hogs, you got to chill, buddy. You well, got to just take a breath. It was the Tigers. But isn't that the fun thing about baseball is that on any given day, it's going to be an exciting game of baseball like we saw here on Sunday. I love how you romanticize things, Dan. I just love it. Just it's you just bring us back to reality and remind us why we love the sport. 
I tell you, every time I watch The Sandlot, that scene where Benny says, just put your glove up in the air and I'll hit it. David, I can't watch it without just, I can barely talk about it, David, (laughs) without getting a little teary. And he does it, right? It's romantic. Baseball is romantic. Well, David, with that, I'm going to give my most romantic version of the outro here. Are you ready for this? I am on the edge of my seat. Uh, I don't know how I can make this romantic. I'll just say it. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win. You can find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast so that you're notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that would be great. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins.